Welcome to the Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, September 2nd show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. My goal is to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in our local economy. Keep me tuned in and I will keep you informed. If you are hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411.50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And my lineup for today's show, Kathy Widelick, founder of Legacy Caring. Legacy Caring and how it supports seniors. We'll have a great conversation today with Kathy. Also in studio, Blaise Devera, master the art of selling, will be my conversation with Blaise today and last guest in studio, Don Desonier, transitioning in dementia care. I'm still here. Person-centered dementia care in Alzheimer journey is my conversation with Dawn today. So great guest, great information in studio today. For more information on any topic discussed, please call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyr.com. And to start out today's show, just like every show, a little money chat. Money. I don't think Seattle wants tax on foreign money. Since July 2016, when Vancouver, BC started implementing the 15% tax on home buyers who do not have Canadian citizenship and permit residency, foreign buyers have intensified their attention to the Seattle real estate market. A website called Joabi.com, a search engine for Chinese buyers to find international property, noted drastic decrease in searches from Vancouver. At the same time, searches for Seattle for the Chinese buyers on the website increased 63% in August of 2016, so a month after uh, this tax went into play, compared to that same month in 2015. Similar inquiries increased 93% uh, in September 2016, 78% in October, and 140% in November. Again, this is the increase that the Seattle market saw on the Chinese website after the foreign tax in Vancouver, BC. Now, how would taxing foreign money affect the Seattle real estate market? That's what the conversation is now because they're looking at having a conversation around um, implementing this tax as well here in the Seattle market. Now, council member Lisa Herbold's recently efforts to obtain hard data about the impact on foreign money on the housing market have hit wall after wall. And when she tried to determine if such buyers could be taxed, uh, hot money could be cooled. And she was informed by King County Assessor. John Wilson, which actually I just had my family finance and future with him for my clients, and he's represented uh, the taxes here in studio many times. Uh, John refused to even work with Herbold on the system to determine how often foreign buyers use straw companies to park cash in Seattle real estate. That means that Wilson has dismissed the necessary of the Spectator's tax without first investigating how much foreign money 
is entering and inflating the local market. Now, this is exactly what happened in Vancouver until it was too late. The real estate industry uh, did everything it could to blame foreign money. It claimed again and again that the foreign buyers only accounted for 4% of the annual home purchases in the region. region. It claimed that the problem was purely a matter of consumer demand. Now, the city did nothing for a decade but listen to this one story, and it was only after housing values had totally no relation to local incomes and therefore could not be explained by the story of supply and demand that the government panicked and tried to defuse the political explosion situation with taxes. Now, Vancouver's leading real estate reporter, Carrie Gold, explained during a discussion concerning the Seattle Times article that Vancouver, B.C. home prices resume stubborn climb to fresh record. Also in the article, taxes foreign home buyers in Seattle would be illegal, could stroke an anti-Asian prejudice that the official said. So Vancouver's 15% foreign buyer tax did little. The government is talking about doubling the foreign ta- buyer tax to 30%, but nothing is for sure yet. Now, they're also talking about uh, speculation tax. They're struggling to get control over the situation, but there's too much foreign capital already in the market. Now, what's important to understand is it's not in principle. It's a matter of Chinese capital. It is a matter of the global surplus capital, which over the decades has taken many national forms. A lot of the Americans know next to nothing on economic history and so have no idea the raise of the Wall Street in the recent 1970s and was not sparked by simple deregulation, but the recycling of surplus capital for oil prices in the country, mostly notable in Saudi Arabia. Now, what the foreign capitalists who hold all of its cash with nothing to do, send it right back to the U.S. where it inflates equity markets or buyers in American debt. Now, because the U.S. debt is valuable, the purchases sustain its chronic current account deficits. In a normal world, a world without Repatriating capital, trade imbalances would result in massive and often painful social and economic adjustments. So now there are two reasons to export supplement capital. One, the home market is saturated, not many investment opportunities with high yields. And two, the home market is not considered safe because it is still developing or it's political, unstable or uncertain. Now, Germany is a classic example of the former, and this is why it exports in surplus for the countries like Greece. The investment opportunities in poorer countries are much greater than those at home. So China's a classic and current leading example of the latter. But ultimately, the problem is not the nation, but it's the capital and how it's managed and where it goes. So in the case of Seattle, a popular city with growing economic and stable political systems, investors desire nothing more than to flood its commercial apartment and housing markets to the yield-hungry capital. It can do so in, in so many number of ways, directly with hard cash or indirectly those loans of partnerships. So also, do not think that this money in the persons of or nationalities, think of it as absolute surplus, which in our age consistently suffers from low interest rates. And so it's desperate to enter any stable, safe market, which values are rising above rate of inflation. At percent, it's absolute surplus sits values and rises above the rate of inflation. 
So this is the global situation in Seattle is now a major nod in the global economic history. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the foreign investment tax and whether they implement here in the Seattle market if they do and how that's going to affect our market. But again, we can take a look at what happened in Vancouver and get an idea of what it might do here. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Coming up next on The Money are Legacy Caring and how it supports seniors. Kathy Whitelick, founder of Legacy Caring, right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Hi, this is Eric Tinglem with Trident Realty Group Northwest. For a free complimentary comparative market analysis of your home, feel free to call me at 253-224-7170 and we can find a time to meet and discuss your options. That's 253-224-7170. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here in 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, September 2nd show. I'm committed to providing you knowledge needed to be successful in every area regarding your finances. Knowledge is power, and that's what you'll receive by listening to the show. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can always call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411 or online at com. And in studio right now, Kathy Weidlich, founder of Legacy Caring. And Legacy Caring, how it supports our seniors. We're going to also talk a little bit about Jack Canfall and his visit right here in uh, Bellevue, Washington. Kathy, thank you so much for coming back in studio. It's been a little while. I know. It's great to be here, Tina. Thank you. And a little bit about Kathy. Kathy has a master's degree in counseling and education and worked for 15 years in the University Residential Life and Wellness. She was a managing real estate broker and top producing realtor for over 10 years, broker owner of her own real estate company. It was through her real estate experiences that Kathy recognized how often seniors are victim of financial fraud and receipts of poor service. During the 2011 holiday, Kathy saw the stats from an alliance of aging, 10,000 people turning 65 every day for the next 20 years. So in 2012, Kathy led the first senior day at Master Builders, which launched Legacy Caring. Kathy left her passion as CEO of the real estate office in 2013 to follow her passion to create a trusted place for seniors to go for their housing and real estate needs. Kathy learned that everyone wants exceptional service and accurate, timely information from service providers and educators that they can trust. Kathy is currently leading the development of Legacy Success Academy. She is a certified Jack. Canfield trainer and is collaborating with the most exceptional professionals globally and facility to facilitate accidental education and training programs that will meet the needs of the total person. The core of this training is based on Jack's success principles. Legacy success expert Jack Canfield is the first member of the Legacy Success Academy Board of of Advisors and coming to Bellevue October 3rd and October 4th. Kathy, if somebody wants to register for that, where do they go? Um, They just need to go to, actually the best place to go right now is to call me. 
because Perfect. there's there's so many different opportunities with you know being a sponsor, uh, sponsor vendor table attending. So wonderful. So yeah. you guys, and you're listening, you can call the show one eight five five four hundred eleven fifty or go to the moneyr.com. Uh, Kathy's information will be there, and you can connect uh, directly with her, or we will connect you to her. All right, Kathy. So let's get down to it. Let's talk a little bit more about than what I said in the bio about legacy caring. Okay. Well. Our vision is pretty lofty. We want to be the global marketplace for trusted service providers. It's the one place where people can find professionals they can trust. And our expert providers guide their clients to be proactive in home and health and financial security. People like you, Tina, Mm -hmm. they save their clients time, money, avoid worry, and receive exceptional services at a fair value. And, you know, when we go to websites, it doesn't matter if ratings and reviews are are good or bad, we don't know if they're true or not, right? And um, so, you know, unfortunately, um, there are quite a few, I learned that there's quite a few unscrupulous people out there that are very strategic and prey, especially on seniors and vulnerable, you know, populations. And they're an easy target. They really are. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we don't, I mean, there's so many beautiful, exceptional people out there that want to help, but they don't know where to find us. Yeah. So that's really what we want to do. We want to have one place where People know they can go to find people they can trust for help. So the importance of this, um, Kathy, for obvious reasons, for, you know, so that seniors have that safe place, what else is important? So what I what I learned um, and the reason why I, I started this was because I had situations that, you know, after a while, I just couldn't turn my cheek anymore. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, a couple and a lot of them, were, they were elderly, like one couple lost two was scammed out of two million dollars. Um, another, you know, had a, a roofer walk up to the front door, talked to him for about an hour, sold them a $70,000 roof they didn't even need. Wow. I had uh, one more example. I, I'll never forget this. I was driving up to a driveway, and my seller, Nancy, was going to have a garage sale. And her in-home care worker actually was in the garage smoking with her. And Nancy had an oxygen tank next to her, and oh she'd been smoking God. all of her life. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys could blow up. I mean, it was yeah. like constantly you know these things were happening and I just got to the point where I just had to do something yeah well and you you know you were alert to that because this is really what you're supposed to be doing I mean I've watched you you know Kathy for many years on this journey and it's just really exciting to see what you've done with legacy caring so you you talked about the original um, vision of it was to focus on Mm -hmm. seniors um, and but legacy caring caring provides this service to anybody Right. Um, our pilot has been in the Puget Sound, and mm-hmm. it was all about seniors. And we actually started at Master Builders of King Snohomish Counties in Bellevue. Um, and it was to help families in their housing needs. And uh, we had people who wanted to stay, you know, in their home or mm-hmm. downsize or move into senior communities. Um, but then what happened was, you know, we quickly realized that everybody wants to work with people they trust. Yes. And you'll be hearing from uh, my son, Blaze, who was my very first provider. And I'll never forget when we first started talking about this, we talked about how um, many of our, you know, our our parents and grandparents maybe haven't planned for the future. Mm -hmm. And what will happen is like, let's say Graham falls and breaks a hip and she doesn't have the money. And so she may have to go, you know, um, stay with family and they I mean just the the financial and the the emotional physical you know challenges that come with that it, it affects many generations yes yeah so as much as we need to help people 
that, um, you know, the elderly, we also probably can, we feel like by being proactive, we can mm-hmm. help people, the younger we help them, that um, the, the more proactive we're going to we're going to be in the, the more Makes we're going to be in the world. You're educating the, uh, the kids now so that they can help and better prepare for their parents earlier so that they're not in that situation. Exactly. And so, Blaze is actually just starting the under 40 yes. group. In our- <laughs> that is <laughs> so, it's that's so exciting. Important. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know there's other, obviously, other service providers out there that um, assist and help with seniors. Talk about what makes Legacy Caring unique. Well, um, the the main thing I found was that uh, everybody wants, especially if somebody comes into their home, they want to know that they're safe, mm-hmm. and they want to know that that person will take good care of them and do a good job. And so we have just recently joined um, with SureID, and SureID does the most extensive background screening in the country. They have only worked with the FBI and uh, the military branches. Wow. And they were looking for a place to kind of, um, you know, kind of launch to the public, and we were looking for the best of the best. Yes. And we just connected, and so that is just starting. Our pilot program with them is starting now. Mm-hmm. Um, our our providers definitely put their clients' best interests first, yeah. and that is so critical. Um Everybody wants, and I'm, I'm going to use you as an example because our providers want to make the world a better place. Yes. And, you know, Tina, you are a great example of how our providers, um, so many of our people have gone through struggles uh-huh. and they, you know, have overcome them and they want to help and inspire others to lead a better life. Yes. So that's pretty much what makes us unique and it's yeah. very very special yeah well it, it, and it is you do have an, an amazing group of um uh, if you don't want to say providers because there's so much more i mean they've really become a family and yeah. um all together with legacy caring and making a difference in um the services they provide and i do want to you know the vetting is really important because that's been your from day one when your your vision of putting this together is just making sure that mm-hmm. every provider has gone through that extensive uh, vetting process so uh, a huge uh, uniqueness to legacy caring so let's talk a little bit about what the legacy success Academy is because this is an extension right. to legacy caring. Right. So the foundation of the program is that ex- extensive screening. Um, and then some people really want to also, you know, be educators. And so what we're doing is we're starting our pilot with our academy and we are assessing people's um, uh, life dimensions, you know, uh-huh. like 10 different dimensions of their life. And then we are connecting them to what they need. So if they need, you know, if they want to find a mortgage person or uh-huh. they need a counselor for their child or, you know, so it's connecting them to educators and, and um, uh, counselors and coaches and trainers and, and those types of things. So, so it's kind really of taking it to the next level. Whole one one-stop shop with providing providers as well as providing the education education and everything that you need. It's just brilliant. Yeah. So um, I'm sure majority of the listeners have heard of Jack Canfield. Who hasn't heard of Jack Canfield? And you actually wrote a chapter um, in his book, so you're a part in his book. So um, talk a little bit about how you got Jack Canfield to be the first member of your board of advisors. Congratulations, by the way. That's a huge thing. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because um, people, you think people know who Jack Canfield is, but uh-huh. 
a lot. Some people don't. But whenever I say that he was the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, then they know. this you know yeah. success principles, people are like, "Oh, I know Jack," you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we've got a really unique story because we actually met in 1990. Yeah. And I was director of a university wellness center, and we were looking at the whole issue of self-esteem on our campus. Mm-hmm. And five of us professionals went to the very first national self-esteem conference in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Uh-huh. Met Jack. Said he's the one to come and work with us. Worked with him for a couple of days, a couple of times. So we had a relationship. Didn't see him for 24 years, uh-huh. and we reconnected. Uh, and that he just believes so strongly in what we're doing yeah. that he's mentored me and has agreed to be the, the first member of our board of advisors. So, so very exciting. exciting. Yes. So exciting for you and so exciting for Legacy Caring and everybody that's involved in Legacy Caring, including the customers that are going to be coming and providing, uh, getting the service. So talk a little bit about uh, upcoming events, Kathy, as we're, as I wrap my time up here with you. Okay. Well, next Thursday, we have we usually have monthly luncheons at Master Builders in Next Thursday is Dr. Marion Summers, and she's an expert on issues with the elderly. And you know Dr. Marion really yes, well. Yes, I do. And, Love um, her. I know. And October second uh, uh, is when we're actually having a preview of our Legacy Success Academy with presentations and vendors and sponsors. Um, that evening, we're going to have a reception with Jack, and then dinner with Jack and entertainment. Uh-huh. So it'll be uh-huh. really fun. And then on the third, on Tuesday, the October third, uh, he has his one day to greatness workshop and. Uh-huh. People go through that day. People go through so break through so many barriers and go through some incredible transformations. So I'm yeah. really excited and would love to have people join us there. It's going to be the first day is going to be at the Marriott mm-hmm. in Bellevue on 110th, and the second day is going to be at the Main Bower. Perfect. So if you're listening to the show today and um, you are a service provider um, that has maybe some passion in making a difference in seniors' lives and their families, you can go to LegacyCaring.com and uh, get connected with Kathy's team to see how you can be a service provider. Uh, if you are a, a senior or a child of a, a senior that's helping them in that transition or knowing that uh, that time is going to be coming and you want to get a step ahead of things, uh, go to LegacyCaring.com and you can find out um, how to be able to utilize all of the amazing things they have there. Uh, Kathy, anything that I, that I missed there? Um, you know, I think that just the bottom line for us is that we really want to help people create successful legacies, yeah. you know, whether it's in their, their families or their businesses. And we feel strongly that by connecting people to people they can trust mm-hmm. and getting accurate, timely information um, that we're going to, that we're doing that for all yes. generations. So Love it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you, (laughs) Kathy. Thanks for being a a dear friend, and thank you for making um, such a a difference in the world and and really having such a strong passion behind what you're doing. Thank Thank, you. Thanks, Tina. And coming up next on The Money Hour, Mastering the Art of Selling. I have Blaise DeVera right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Hi, this is Ian Tolmey with Caring Transitions Seattle. Caring Transitions is the nation's largest professional network of estate sale, online auction, household relocation services. Whether you're moving across the country, around the corner, or simply downsizing and decluttering your home, Caring Transitions will reduce your mess and eliminate your stress. We're experts and we'll do what's right for your family. Call us today at 206-330-0878 or find us online at Caring Transitions Seattle. Thank you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, 
on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, September 2nd show. I provide you news on everything money, fresh information on market trends and conditions in our local economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can talk with the guests that I have in studio today by calling the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 41150 or online at the And in studio right now, Blaze Devera. And we're going to be talking about mastering the art of selling. Blaze, first time in studio today. Very excited to have a conversation with you. I'm very excited as well, Tina. Thank you. You're welcome. And a little bit about Blaze. Uh, Blaze is of Blaze Consulting, Blaze Devera Consulting, has been in many sales roles, roles for cold calling, selling advertising, and selling real estate. His diverse background in sales, as well as his philosophy of always growing as a salesperson, has given him innovative ways to help customers and salespeople. Blaze pulls his knowledge from multiple sales experts and uses his own unique experiences to help salespeople reach their highest potential. Blaze has attained top producer status at every company he's worked for as a community sales manager for Quadrant Homes. He had the number one new home community in 2012 and 2013. He was the number one broker in Skagit County for GCI and units sold in 2013. And this year, he was one of two listing agents with D.R. Horton that was chosen to fly to Texas to meet Donald Horton himself. Blaze is very excited to share his formula for success. And you know, I'm um, really excited to have uh, an interview here with you, Blaze, because I really do believe in uh, to mastering success is to observe others who are at a higher level than you are, see what they're doing and make it your own. So I'm excited to share the wealth of information that you have with all of the experience and success that you have uh, felt. So our topic here today is master the art of selling. So Blaise, how would you recommend creating trust and rapport with customers? Well, that's a great question, Tina. And first, what I'd like to say to the listeners is, you know, why do you want to make more sales and why do you want to make more money? There's usually a lot deeper reasons that go into that besides the sales and the money. So maybe it's, you know, more time with your family, financial freedom, paying your children's college, things of that nature. So mm. I, I really recommend writing that why down, finding out that reason and keeping that in front of you, which will really catapult your sales. Yeah, and you know, our uh, first guest, Kathy, is a perfect example of that. It's just, you know, what her passion has been able to um, allow her to do with uh, legacy caring. So, Blaze, how do you transition from that to a more of a sales conversation? So, you know, what I do after I'm, I'm creating rapport and things of that nature, obviously I'm doing things, you know, uh, obviously to create rapport, you need to be a person of integrity. There's mm-hmm. things like neuro-linguistic programming and things of that nature that go into, you know, creating that that trust and that rapport with your client and being the right kind of person. But how I transition into more of a sales uh, topic is really having a hook, especially in business-to-business sales. Um, I always had a phenomenal hook. So uh, a generic hook would be something like, if I could increase your profits by 20% in the next year and increase your team's productivity, is that something you'd like to know more about? Mm-hmm. Now, and then I, I follow it up with a question. So I like to ask their permission to actually go into the, the discovery process, uh, if you will, which, you know, something to the effect of, would you mind if I ask you a few questions to see if you're a good fit for my product or service? 
Love it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is really important to dial in and, and uh, the words that you're using so that you can get the best results mm-hmm. when communicating with your clients. So, please tell me a little bit more about how you assess your customers' needs. Definitely. So, um, in my experience, the spin selling discovery process is really the most beneficial process in sales. It's really reverse psychology. So it's getting prospects to tell you the benefits, mm-hmm. not telling, not you telling them the benefits. So if um, I tell someone the benefit of my product or service, they might be listening, right? Mm-hmm. They might not be listening at all. Um, it might not even be a true benefit to them. So, but if I get them to tell me the benefit, obviously, for one, it's going to click in their head much, much quicker. Uh, and for two, it's obviously a true benefit to them. And we all know the buyers have a lot of fear. They have fear of making the wrong choice, of making change, of what others will think. So these all, there's all these types of fears. So this technique converts the fear of buying your product to the fear of not buying your product based on what it's going to do for your life and your current situation. Yeah, and you know, when I've, I've, I talk with people, I mean, ultimately in, in being good in sales and selling your product, it's mm-hmm. because you're doing what's best for the consumer. So it really being um, a master at what we do is important so that we can really help our consumers because the mm-hmm. idea is for them to see that this product is what they need. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be selling it, right? Definitely. You know, my formula I talk about is, you know, what you just said, it's you've got to communicate the why, what's the why behind mm-hmm. it for them, finding out what's important, and then the risk and benefit, the risk if they don't and the benefit if they do. Um, also bringing in, you know, data because mm-hmm. that's going to connect with the logic side, but mm-hmm. then the stories. And so if you can tie in their why, mm-hmm with a story that's similar to theirs, it really helps to build that emotional connection to what they need. Definitely. Um, powerful I, stuff. Yeah, and I always like to come from a place where I feel like the um, that if, you know, I need to come from a place where I feel like the product or service I'm selling is going to benefit the prospect more than the commissioner sale yes. is going to benefit me. Definitely. Love that. So let's uh, move over to presentation and how you conduct your presentations, place. Definitely. So what I see a lot of salespeople doing is feature dumping. So talking about features and benefits that, that their prospects don't necessarily care about. So you really need to construct your presentation based on what you found out about them in the discovery or needs assessment process. So ask them questions that lead back to that current de- dissatisfaction that they have mm-hmm. and the benefits of moving forward with your pro- uh, your your product or service. Love it. And and taking a very consultative approach in, in my opinion you need to be, you know, actively listening obviously and listening about 70 to 80% of the time I would say and talking about 20 to 30% of the time. Mhm. And I think it's, you know, also when you're asking, if you're asking a few times so that you can really get to the core of what it is, because mm-hmm. sometimes, especially in a client uh, business uh, relationship, they're not going to be as open as we would be as we're talking to each other as friends. And mm-hmm. so asking a few different ways to really help them get to the core of what the reason is that they need this product and to be able to move forward. So, uh, Blaze, what do you feel is the most effective way to create a sense of urgency? So there's a couple different types of urgency. There's personal urgency, then there's product urgency. Now, it's really, really difficult to create product urgency uh, unless you're selling a product or service that's very inexpensive without personal urgency. So how do you create that personal urgency? You create it through the spin-selling questions. I wasn't able to go over all of those, but I Uh definitely would love to in the future. Um, And you really create that personal urgency by making them feel their current discomfort and pain in their current situation 
and then showing them the benefits of what life will be like without having those issues with moving forward with your product or service. And then you can layer the product urgency on top of the per personal urgency. So for real estate, I'm a real estate agent as well. Uh -huh. Price is going up. One of a kind home. Home that meets your needs the best in my whole community. Yes. You know, I was a new home sales, uh, scarcity of a product, things of that nature. Then you can go ahead and create that. Yeah. And also bringing back the story that you have, you know, found out mm -hmm. the the why behind it that's important for mm -hmm. them and, and drawing in. You know, if they're, I would say if they're a renter mm -hmm. and you always have somebody that could have bought and they missed out that opportunity and they're still renting mm -hmm. so they can connect and see that directly to them if they're renting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Powerful uh, stuff. So, Blaze, what process do you go through when overcoming objections? Well, one thing I think uh, that is important to note is we're all unique individuals. Mm -hmm. And um, it's obviously great to get objections out as early as possible in the pro process and not to project your own objections uh, onto your prospects. Yeah. So um, just to give an example, um, I actually had a community previously that was by 405. And we were walking there with a couple. It was very loud outside the home. This home with the, was the closest home to 405. But you couldn't hear anything inside the home. And so um, I was there with the wife. The wife loved the home. The husband was like, this is great, but watch this. And he opened the window, and this flood of 405 noise came in. Um, and I shut up and listened. Uh -huh. And the husband said, you know, listen to that. And the wife said, you know, it's lively. I like it. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I was That's like, awesome. okay. You know, uh, objection overcome. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes, yeah. And don't you say, I say also that, you know, the common questions that are asked, really those are the objections. They're just formed in a nicer way. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I always say eliminate versus overcome objections mm -hmm. because the objections don't exist if you address them up front before they come up. And what a lot of people in sales do is they wait for them to come up because they're hoping that they don't come up. Mm -hmm. And so if you use real estate for an example, if somebody is, is thinking about buying real estate, they're always at least thinking about why not go with a discounted shop, mm -hmm. right? Not to say anything bad about either one, but mm -hmm. that is something that obviously they're thinking about. Whether or not they uh, bring it up front, it doesn't matter. So you need to overcome it, have it right in your presentation, your initial conversation with your client so that you eliminate that. And then it's never an objection. I mean, it's really powerful stuff. And, you know, I um, uh, at my course of one-timing your business where really this, the objections are the same ones. They come up over and over. Mm -hmm. So get them in your presentation, your conversation. And a, the reason, again, why is just so that you're providing the best service to your clients and helping them ultimately reach whatever dream that they have with your product, correct? Definitely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more uh, uh, about that and what's important, well, yeah. Uh, Blaze. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I'm on the exact same page as you. You want to get objections out as soon as you possibly can in the sales mm -hmm. process, obviously. You want to kill the monster when it's a baby, not when it's Godzilla is eating the city, right? Yeah. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to me, there's a difference between, you know, most objections are really just underlying questions that people have. Yes. And so... Um, we oh, are I, right on the same track here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, um, you know, a lot of people have complaints that they automatically throw up, right? Yeah. Buyers buyers have complaints that aren't necessarily true objections. So um, what I actually do when they throw up uh, an initial supposed objection is I treat it as a complaint. I actually ignore it. Hmm. I, I actually I actually don't really say much and I just move forward with my presentation because there's a good chance they're going to run out of steam. And it's not actually going to be a true objection when it comes down to it. it's just going to be a complaint. Now, if they bring it up a second time, I hear them out. I say something like, I hear you. Uh -huh. Then I keep moving forward. 
Now, if they bring it up a third time, it could be a real objection. What I actually do is I feed it back to them. So let's say, hypothetically, they say that the, pri the price of my house is too high. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to say the price is too high. So uh -huh. what does this do? This actually puts the objection back in their court. So now they have to justify to me why the price is too high not have me defend my product. I've asked this question before and had people answer their own objection and we just move forward. Yeah, interesting. So, Blaise, um, what about, let's get to, um, now that we're uh, wrapping up our time here, it's perfect to get into a close. So, mm -hmm. what is your suggestion in how to appropriately close and to land that that sell that deal definitely so obviously sales is a fluid process so um, you know everything I've spoken about here does not go in perfect order it's all kind of sure. tied together here you want to be closing as soon as you possibly can in the process asking trial closes asking leading questions things of that nature um, and you want to be professionally persistent not pushy so yeah. you know all the sales gurus CDs I've listened to books that I've heard say you know you need to overcome five objections or ask for the sale at least five times uh-huh and I do believe that, but there's a difference between being a pushy salesperson and professionally persistent. Yes. So if I, you know, ask a buyer at the end of the process, do you want to buy this, do you want to buy this, do you want to buy this, and I ask them five times, it's going to push them away and they're not going to want to talk to me again. Yes. Um, so you need to have an arsenal of closes. I recommend that people have at least 25 closes that they have scripted, memorized, and role played. Mm -hmm. So know your direct close, your takeaway close, your summary close. So you can literally... You know, let's say that you have done a great job up to this point. You assume the sale. They come up with an objection. You go over the objection process I spoke about. Then you ask for the sale again. Maybe even get off the subject. Get them laughing. Humor is extremely important in sales. Mm -hmm. Go back and maybe this time do a summary close. Handle objection, direct close. Handle objection, take away close, and get the sale. So I want to emphasize this. I mean, it's very hard at the end of your presentation for people that trust you, like you. They've said yes to you many times and would greatly benefit from your product and have been laughing throughout the process to say no to you at the end. Yeah. I'd love it. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm, I, it's, it's really great to have a, um, have this into studio for my, uh, listeners that are in business because a big percentage of people out in the business world are in sales. And again, the, the reason that we want to be the best at the best that we can in selling is because it's best for our client. Definitely. So thank you for being an expert in that area and sharing some of your, uh, your tips. And if you want to get more information, cause there's not enough time for Blaze to really lay out everything that he has for you, go to the I can directly connect you with Blaze or Blaze. Do you have a website you can uh, direct my listeners to? Yeah, it'd be LegacyCarrying.com, actually. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Blaze, thank you so much for coming in studio. Look forward to having you back again. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. And coming up next on the Money Hour, I am still here. Person-centered dementia care in Alzheimer's journey. I have Dawn DeSonier, Transitions in Dementia Care, right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Are you tired of the roller coaster ride of sales? Don't know where your next deal is coming from? Do you struggle with handling objections or closing the deal? Blaze Devera with Blaze Devera Consulting has helped many salespeople just like you rise to top producer status. Blaze has been a top producing salesperson for 15 years and will make sure you're well educated and guided to succeed in the sales arena. This is Blaze Devera. To get more information on my sales training, please call me at 425-269-7256 or email me at blaze at blazeagent.com. That's B-L-A-I-S-E at B-L-A-I-S-E 
A-G-E-N-T.com. And again, that's 425-269-7256. Look forward to hearing from you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, September 2nd show, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how they can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at the And in studio, another first time guest in studio is Don DeSonia, Transitions in Dementia Care. And we're going to talk a little bit about dementia care and Alzheimer's journey and pronouncing Alzheimer correctly. Doing a good job of that. <laughs> okay, good. So, Don, thank you so much for uh, joining me first time in studio. Well, Happy thank, to have a conversation with thank you. Thank you, Tina. I'm glad to be here. And a little bit about Dawn. Dawn provides individual coaching along with family facilitating and meditation services to caregivers and families of loved ones with Alzheimer's disease and related dementias. His journey to this professional calling is rooted in having been a caregiver to his wife, Nancy, who was diagnosed with early onset dementia in 2008, passed away from this illness in 2012. Dawn has a certified in... Gerontology from University of Washington Professional and a Continued Education Program. He also has a Juris Doctorate degree and has been trained as Elder and Adult Family Mediator. So we're going to be talking um, about a person-centered dementia care and Alzheimer's journey. And I'd like to just start out with what is the difference between Alzheimer's disease and dementia? Okay, it's a good question, Tina. I just wanted to begin to lay some foundation with some statistics from the recent Alzheimer's Association 2017 stats. Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States, with more than 4 million Americans right now living with the disease. And by 2050, that number could go to 16 million. Uh, Of note is that 10% of those individuals who are 65 and older have Alzheimer's. So the question about the difference between Alzheimer's disease and dementia is a very good one because people are confused. Uh, Do you have Alzheimer's or do you have dementia? What does that mean exactly? Well, dementia, as that term is used, is an umbrella term of sorts to describe a set of symptoms associated with cognitive decline, such as memory loss or other indicators that daily functioning and memory have been compromised. So examples of those kinds of uh, symptoms would be challenges around eating, Mm -hmm. bathing, toileting, and so forth, which are the so-called activities of daily living, or sometimes you hear them described as ADLs. There could also be difficulties with meal preparation, finances, driving, or shopping, the so-called instrumental activities of daily living. Now, 60 to 80% of people with dementia have Alzheimer's. So it is yeah. the most dominant disease where dementia symptoms are uh, uh, existent. A few examples of other types of de- dementia-related illnesses include vascular dementia, which I believe was Nancy's primary dementia, uh, dementia with Lewy bodies. My mother-in-law died of that illness, frontotemporal dementia, and Parkinson's-related dementia. All these diseases are irreversible and there is no cure. 
It's also worth noting that there are other forms of dementia that are the result of diseases or conditions which mimic dementia symptoms, Mm -hmm. but could be treated and reversed, like dementia symptoms related to depression or delirium or medicinal side effects, thyroid problems, vitamin deficiencies, or excessive alcohol use. So thank you for clarifying the difference between the two. And yeah, my mother-in-law has both. And I was just going to ask you, is it common that, you know, that they, um, that they have both? And so um, early stages, but it's, it's a, a diagnosis that's devastating to, to get that. So does there exist a, a common myth or a potential misunderstanding concerning the caring for or engagement with someone with Alzheimer's disease or related dementia? There is, actually. Often people think that simply by virtue of a diagnosis of cognitive impairment or dementia, Mm -hmm. a person with Alzheimer's disease or a related dementia is no longer viable or functional or important or has anything to offer or can make decisions for themselves. In short, with a diagnosis of dementia, sometimes people think that this person is now somehow automatically less than. Yeah, which is definitely... Not the case. No. And a, a lot of times when it's it's early, they, they can be fine and have clear memory almost for many years, right? Well, that's exactly right. And yeah. be very functional and active and engaged. Yes. So how could the this misunderstanding impact one's perspective of a person with dementia and in turn, how care might be provided, Don? Okay. Um, Alzheimer's disease... And many, if most, if not most, related dementias are irreversible. Mm -hmm. There is no cure. So the person living with dementia gradually loses their ability to converse, perform normal activities of daily living like I talked about earlier, recognize others, and so forth. There was a time when my wife no longer knew that I was her husband, although Mm -hmm. I know she thought of me as a trusted friend. So understandably, there's a tendency with a diagnosis of dementia to look at an individual with with dementia as being less than as a result Mm -hmm. of their illness. In fact, it would be easy to simply look at the dementia-caring journey or dementia-caregiving journey as simply a death march and to perceive that the life of their loved one no longer has any inherent meaning and is now on a downward and hopeless spiral. The main care goals might then be simply to treat stabilize and maintain that person's health and to focus simply on maintenance of the disease. And so with all of that, it's pretty common that somebody might then think that the only care goals that are important would be to treat, stabilize, and maintain the person's Mm -hmm. health and to focus simply on maintenance of the disease and get wrapped up in a limiting or negative mindset Mm -hmm. when it comes to caring for somebody with dementia. Often, that's because the person with uh, dementia, the caregiver of the person with dementia, is grieving the loss of the person that they once knew, often at the risk of not being present to who that person is now. And when that happens, when you're regretting what this person has lost Mm -hmm. or where they have gone and where they think that person has gone, you're missing an opportunity for what I think of as an adventure and a blessing to re-engage with that individual and renew that relationship with who that person is right now. Interesting way to to look at that, Dawn, and that makes total sense that, you know, the the life is there, it's just a different life. And so why not um, build that relationship in that that different way? Uh, Beautiful. What does uh, person-centered dementia care mean, Dawn? Okay. 
Person-centered dementia care, first of all, means checking at the door the assumption that, a, with, that with a dementia diagnosis, an individual with cognitive impairment no longer can make wise and sound choices for themselves, mm-hmm. learn new things, be engaged, be happy, or enjoy life. An example of that was a uh, video I looked at recently uh, from the Alzheimer's Association website. It was a woman who apparently was an attorney, and it was the video was called Alzheimer's Stigma, mm-hmm. and people were talking about the stigma attached their, to their diagnosis, and one woman told what happened when apparently she told her boss she had Alzheimer's. She was an attorney, and according to her, her boss said, you know, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have told me that because now I have to let you go. Wow. Making an assumption that this person was not able to yeah. function or continue to function in any kind of a, care, a meaningful way. Hmm. So when we talk about person-centered care or what often is called person-directed care, it means looking at this individual with fresh eyes as someone with meaning and worth, someone who has unique needs and interests and who is still present and alive with a lot to contribute. Mm-hmm. But this should result when you get into both the care approach and the care environment is that you're paying attention to that individual's needs, wants, and desires, and who they are. So, for example, if a person's living in a memory care residence, let's call this individual George. Okay. And the staff has a protocol that everybody gets a bath or a shower at 7 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. And George has been consistently rebelling against that and making it difficult for them to give him a bath or shower at Uh 7 o'clock in the morning. One option would be to label George in the notes as a resident who is uncooperative and mm-hmm. resisting a bath. Mm-hmm. Or you could get curious and find out what's going on. And if you did, you might find out that George commonly had a bath just before dinner. And that's what made him comfortable. Wow. And what he was doing was not able to articulate that, but was definitely expressing a need and an anxiety. And there's yeah. always a need or an interest underneath that anxiety. And it means getting to that and learning how to treat the individual uh, as a unique and caring individual. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what a what a great uh, conversation here, uh, Don. Because just uh, you know, so many things that you've said make so much sense that I really never even thought about. Now, I've I, it does make sense that the way that you're caring and communicating um, with this individual is going to make a difference on how that disease is going to progress and how quickly I would imagine in minimizing and eliminating that stress that they're dealing with by just these examples that you're giving. That's right. In addition to any medication intervention that seems appropriate, Uh it's important to engage the individual in the moment of now. Yeah. Um, I can remember in the early stages of my wife's diagnosis when she was still living at home, I would be sitting in my home office. I'd move my office to the house uh, to be closer to her, and I could hear her crying in the other room, Mm -hmm. and I would talk to her, and she kind of wondered, what's the use of me continuing to go on? with this Mm -hmm. illness because she knew by this point that this was essentially a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. So the key is to engage an individual in the present and help them be alive. They have a lot to offer. Yes, yeah. And they may be different, but different in a way that is still a good way. They're still alive. Exactly. Well, we all know that for all of us, we need to be in the present. So why is it any different um, with somebody that, yes. So has there been uh, anything written about the research around a person-centered care approach? There have been. Um, One of my gurus, I'll admit, uh, is Dr. Alan Power, who's a geriatrically certified physician. And he's written two seminal works on person-centered care and looking at a whole new approach. 
to uh, dementia caregiving. One of his books is Dementia Beyond Drugs, Changing the Culture of Care, and the other is Dementia Beyond Disease, Enhancing Well-Being. In Dementia Beyond Drugs, Dr. Parrott talks about an approach to dementia care that focuses on real-time, interpersonal, active, and positive engagement, Mm. which he describes as the experiential model as opposed to the biomedical or pharmacological model of treatment or care. The experiential model, according to Dr. Powers, sees dementia as a shift in a person's perception of his or her world. And phrases that you might hear in conjunction with this kind of model of care would be, this individual is capable of learning, has the potential for life and growth, well-being, autonomy, problem-solving, and satisfaction of unmet needs. And in this model, drug use is rare. And individuals with dementia exist in a world that are populated by care partners and not just caregivers. Yes. Um, In Dementia Beyond Disease, Dr. Power talks about the stigmatized view of dementia, namely that it renders the person incapable of making choices. And he further states, the ability to choose our life's path, Mm -hmm. to make decisions large and small, even to make choices that we know may not be in our best interest, is nonetheless a fundamental human right. Yeah, definitely. So, Don, did you use this person-centered approach in your care with your wife, Nancy? You know, not initially. Uh, I can remember a dinner in Portland, Oregon, uh, in the early stages of her uh, diagnosis. We were up there for a wedding. And I found myself at dinner completing her sentences, or maybe she would be pausing and fighting for words, and I would jump in. And my sister, Irene, who uh, was at that time a long-term care ombudsman, kind of figuratively kicked me under the table uh, to prevent me from doing that and Uh giving her the ability to make those decisions. Another example is we were at the Department of Licensing. Uh, She was no longer able to drive, and so we were getting an official in a Washington state ID. And there was a time when the clerk was asking her questions, and I found myself jumping in and answering them and mm-hmm. to the point where the clerk looked at me and said, sir, your wife needs to answer these questions for herself. <laughs> yes. And I had to step back and go, okay. Um, um, the other example of, of this is when she still had legal competency, we updated all our estate planning documents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The thing I didn't do uh, as I look back on it now as I didn't sit down with her and engage her in discussing her diet or end-of-life care or what quality mm. of life means to her or what happens when she's no longer able to recognize me. Technically, and this would be an entirely different show, Tina, yeah. uh, those kinds of quality of life conversations should occur when people are healthy and wise. Of course, makes total sense. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I didn't get into that really uh, in depth with her like I could have engaged her. I was simply doing the best I could with what I knew then. Of course. So I've got to wrap up the the show, but I want you to have a, a shout out or a call to action for anybody that's listening to the show that is dealing with this. What, what do they need to do? Well, uh, my best call to action would be that if you have a loved one who is diagnosed with dementia, that you make sure you support the engagement of a primary care provider who's trained in geriatrics. Mm-hmm. An individual that this individual can be a portal to person-centered and holistic approach to care by empowering the engagement of a team of professionals that can address not only the physical needs of the individual and medication and all that, which is important, 
but their entire being, emotional, psychological, social, or spiritual. Yeah, great great advice. And, um, you know, going through this experience with my mother-in-law, they did have a team of everybody that all came in for three hours in all these different areas. So really getting that advice and uh, belonging and finding out, it looks like you did a lot of research and, and to educate yourself on, um, you know, the best way to, to care and help uh, your wife, Nancy. And I would think that would be great advice as well is just to really embrace and find out the best way to, to navigate through this different journey. And look at the journey as a journey of opportunity. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Don, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you in studio you know, and love I to have was, you back. I was happy to be here. Thank you very much for letting me be here. You're welcome, Don. And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Enjoy the weekend. I'll be here same time, same place next weekend, right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.